Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Charles, before we even get to the divisional round games, uh, you know, the best weekend of football, generally most people think best weekend of football. Before we get there, I want to know, like, what would you give to have the confidence of Mason Rudolph? Uh, this, this guy is out here saying uh, that he, now that Ben Rosberger is presumably gone, Mason Rudolph can, uh, he doesn't, he's not going to step on a Hall of Famer's toes. He can finally be himself and be the leader that he's always been. Uh, like, I, I I wish my brain worked that way. Yeah. Excuse me. Maybe I do have the confidence of Mason Rudolph because I tried to wolf down some food before I started talking. That's, that's a bold move. Uh, but yeah, I, I this is it's just straight up delusion. Like, <laughs> what is, what has Mason Rudolph done to think that he should be a starting quarterback for this team? Look, I I have personal experience watching Mason Rudolph play in person in 2019 uh, when the Steelers were putting together like another one of those fraudulent seasons where you don't know how to, <laughs> how to win in these games, but somehow they're like in the playoff mix towards the end of the year. Uh, it was the Jets versus the Steelers. Uh, at MetLife, and the Jets had like a weirdly good defense, and obviously the Steelers had a good defense, and it was one of the worst events. I, like not even just limited to the sports. Like, <laughs> the, it, it was honestly one of the worst ways that a human being could spend a Sunday watching that team. I, I want to say the final score was like thirteen to ten or sixteen to thirteen, like along that range. Uh, and the entire game was like Mason Rudolph just not being able to do anything. And I, I, I don't remember who the Steelers running backs were because this was pre-Najee uh, Harris, but they were just running to a brick wall every play, just getting three yards per play. And it was an excruciating experience. So, look, I've seen Mason Rudolph play in person. Uh, a lot of people have seen him play just like on TV and stuff. I, I, don't, I don't know why he thinks that this job would be getting handed to him. But I will say, if it is handed to him, that would be an extremely uh, – Steelers thing to do is just follow tradition with who's just simply on the team the year before the next season. <laughs> who's hanging out there? Yeah, I mean, I get it, right? Like Mason Rudolph needs to believe in himself and needs to needs to project confidence, I guess. Or like uh, he's not going to come out in a press conference or a or a radio show or whatever and say, "Well, yeah, I'm probably not going to get the job." But like, come on now that that you you were holding back because. Ben Roethlisberger was, was was blocking you. Like, like, like I I know this. We know the Steelers are alert. They're a franchise of tradition and legacy and all that crap. But like, if Mason Rudolph came out there and actually tore it up, they would have sent Big Ben packing a long time ago. Right, it's the NFL, uh, it's the NFL. And and yeah. if the Steelers get the chance to pick Kenny Pickett and and throw him onto the field where he played college football. Probably can happen. I, I found the box score for the game. Oh uh, no! Now it, it's all. Oh my god! I'm getting like trauma flashbacks. <laughs> all right, he, this is this is a 2019 
uh, looks like week 16 game between the Steelers and the Jets. My memory was wrong on who won this game because the Jets actually did win this game. But then I remembered they won this game and then they had the game the next week where they almost lost to the Bills third stringers. And since they won that game, people are optimistic about Sam Darnold, even though he got bodied by guys who wouldn't even make the Bills team the next season. Uh, so we have Mason Rudolph, 14 for 20, 129 <laughs> yards, 6.5 yards per attempt, one touchdown. I forgot that Duck Hodges started this game. Oh, yeah, yeah. He went 11 for 17, 84 yards, two interceptions, finished with a QBR of 9.5. Uh, Sam Darnold uh, was 16 for 26, 183 yards, <laughs> one touchdown, had a QBR of 38.3. Le'Veon Bell got his – like he just got wrecked this game. This is like sometimes you read these running back stat lines and just like looking at it, you're like, oof, that guy did not have fun today. He had 25 carries for oh. 70 for 72 oh yards. <laughs> just getting look, every, everyone oh. in this game was just trying not to step on Ben Wildsberger's toes. That's the yeah, thing. That's, they were right. just respecting Big Ben. That's okay. Yeah. You want to know how many tackles for loss that the Jets had in this game? The Steelers ran 25 times for 75 yards. Do you want to take a guess at how many TFLs the Jets had? Uh, I'll go six. 11. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, you and, and this is a freezing cold. It's like late December in, yeah. in New York. Every one of those hurt. Yeah, every one of those hurt. And no one was more hurt than me because I was sitting up there watching. <laughs> but yeah, if Mason Rudolph gets handed this job, maybe I'll agree with you know some of those far right Pittsburgh Steelers fans and say that Mike Tom needs to be fired. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's get to the good football, the divisional Welcome round. Down, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. Uh yeah, uh, we we got we should have a, a fun week, I think, of of games ahead of us. We're just gonna go, we're just gonna bounce through them in order that they're gonna happen. Uh, Charles has published on For the Win, uh, where we cover the NFL, uh, a piece entitled "The Four Fatal Flaws NFL Divisional Round Favorites Need to Avoid to Steer Clear of Upsets." Uh, so basically, one uh, you know problem area for each of the favorites here. So we'll talk through those, um, give you our thoughts about uh, how each team is going to do against the spread and what we think we'll have once the dust is cleared. What, what, you know, what we're going to go forward to the uh, AFC and NFC championship. So should be fun. Uh, first game of the weekend. This is the 430 game on Saturday. Uh, my children are screaming upstairs. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but... Uh, it's very loud, uh, but uh, 4.30 on Saturday, uh, we got the Bengals, the 4C taking on Tennessee Titans. Uh, Titans, uh, uh, one of the weaker number one seeds in certainly that I can remember in history, yeah. uh, but also one of the one, one, one seeds that most needed a buy. Uh, yeah. This is, you know, this is a wrinkle in the new playoff system that only one team gets a buy. It used to be two teams. Uh, so you, so it really was important for the Titans to to secure the number one seed, uh, and largely because Derrick Henry. You know, that's uh, yeah. a couple other injuries too. But uh, you know, so much of what they want to do is run the football, uh, grind it out, um, give him chances to make. You know, he makes big plays too. It's not like he's just getting three and a half yards every every carry. Uh, you just want to get the yeah, ball in his he's, hands. He's got to have like maybe the most ninety yard carries in. 
league history. Like it's got to be up there. Yeah, I would think so. Um, so he is one week uh, closer. He had uh, surgery on his foot uh, back in October, and so now he should be back. Um, and then Cincinnati had to play last week and are going to deal with uh, a couple injuries on the defensive line. Uh, I, I don't think I've seen updates today, but Larry Ogunjobi, uh, he – was out with a foot injury and Trey Hendrickson is in the concussion protocol last I saw. So, you know, there's some, some significant things here injury wise and, and just where these teams are, you know, one team coming off a bunch of rest, uh, you know, uh, that makes it, it makes a big difference. Um, what is your, what is your key to the game here? What do you think the Titans need to do in order to uh, hold here and, and win this game? Uh I mean, I, I think for them, obviously, it's a huge help, like getting uh, uh, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry all in the field at the same time. It looks like that's going to happen for the first time uh, in a couple months, I think. So right. yep. that that's big for them. But I think uh, just for the Titans, like, they kind of need to get to a place where Ryan Tannehill's is – one, like generating big plays without taking the negative big plays that he does himself because, uh, you know, like Ryan Tannehill, he's an interesting guy where you don't really hear it talked about, I think, with him. But over the years, like he's one of the most sacked quarterbacks, you know, in the league. Like, And, and this kind of tracks through different teams, different coordinators, you know, different supporting cast. He's just kind of a guy who uh, will hold on to the ball and kind of hunt for big plays. And I think that – you know, Arthur Smith in, in uh, you know, when he was the Titans offensive coordinator, he was kind of like the first person to really tap into that. And obviously having, uh, you know, A.J. <laughs> Brown at the time helped. Uh, but um, we, you know, I think the Titans, when you look at them, it's just going to be about trying to keep up with the Bengals' big plays and uh, trying not to get negative plays of their own. Because if you just look at Ryan Tannehill's sack, percentages over the last four years of him being a starting quarterback uh this year is 8.1 percent last year it was 4.8 which is not that bad 2019 9.8 percent and then 2018 his last year in miami he was sacked on 11.3 percent of his dropbacks. Oh, wow. so uh he like if he if if the defensive line can get a pass rush and i think that trey hendrickson uh should be able to suit up this weekend that's going to be a big spot for the Bengals. but this is like one of the weird times where a number one seed is you know it seems like they have a, a, a uphill battle to you know kind of get to the second round because or the, the you know the conference championship round because uh, the Bengals you know I, you can only keep them in check for so long so I think right. it's going to get to Ryan Tannehill and the uh, Titans offense to kind of do their part and get big plays on the other side right yeah I mean Stephen Ruiz uh, wrote several pieces about how propped up Tannehill is by. Uh, play action, you know, that he's it's, it's like really it's him and Baker Mayfield that are the two guys uh, that if you look at uh, really good numbers in certain situations, but it's but it's really built on play action. And I used to joke with him that with Tannehill, especially 
it, it was almost like if you just had him drop back and let him think and like work through progressions uh, that he would get himself in trouble. Like he's just one of those guys. He's got like there's a little bit of Carson Wentz to him where he's like looking for the bigger play rather than working through the progressions in a in a way that makes sense. Uh and t- taking play action takes that away for him, right? He's got to like do the play action fake. And then by that point, either the play is there or it's not. It sort of simplifies the game for him in some ways. Um, but it will be interesting that, you know, like you said, this ha- they haven't had this team together for several months. Uh, can they just click back in to where they need to be and, and make all those parts work? Whereas, as you said, the Bengals have been doing it for weeks now. Like this, this offense has been the most explosive downfield offense of the last, you know, month and a half of the season or whatever. Uh, so kind of are the Titans really ready to, uh, to stop that? You know, are they, are they built to, to deal with that right now? Um, what is your pick here? I think, let me, let me make sure I have the typical spread here. The typical spread has the Titans as a three and a half point favorite, uh, you went with the Bengals to cover. Do you see the Bengals winning outright? Um, it's going to be tough because uh, I, I think that maybe with some of the analysis, the Titans' defense is getting slept on a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I do think that they can win just because, it. I don't know, no one else has been able to cover Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow like over the past six or so weeks of football. And I, I think that uh, this is going to be a tougher test for them than maybe last week was, uh, especially – now that the, the Titans have had time, like extra time to rest and prepare uh, for what they're going to see. I mean, I'm sure that they're going to have a pretty quality game plan, so that might get tough for them. But I I just kind of think that the Bengals have enough top-end talent to get past Titans and into the AFC Championship game, which is pretty incredible season for them. Right. All right. The second game of the day on Saturday is the 49ers, the number six seed against the Green Bay Packers, the number one seed from the NFC. Uh, this game, typical spread is five and a half, uh, favoring the Green Bay Packers. Injuries in this one are huge. Uh, they're really like this game in so many ways would come down to who actually gets to play. The 49ers, uh, Nick Bosa is out with, has been out with a concussion. Uh, Fred Warner has been limited with an ankle injury. Jimmy Garoppolo has both a shoulder sprain and a torn thumb ligament in his throwing hand. Uh, And of course he famously only threw eight passes the last time these teams played in the playoffs anyway. um, And meanwhile, the Packers are wondering about Zadarius Smith, who's had a back injury. Cornerback Jared Alexander has a shoulder injury and David Bakhtiari, their really good tackle uh, has a knee injury that he's dealing with so a lot of this is up in the air uh, but it feels like a game like we know how this game is going to unfold right the 49ers are going to try to try to run the ball uh we, we know what they're going to do and the green bay packers are going to rely on having one of the best quarterbacks on earth uh what is the key here what does green bay need to worry about uh i think for them like the, really the only weakness uh, i think the, that can be like a real Achilles heel for them moving forward is uh, the run game. And I think that, you know, I just, a, I guess, spoiler alert, I did pick the Packers to, co- to win and cover the spread here. But mm-hmm. like, if there is a avenue for the 49ers to win this, like it's definitely possible through the ground because, right. you know, the, I, I put in the article, the 40 or the Packers, they have the 28th linked run defense. 
uh, according to DVOA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> you got maybe the best run game organizer in the league mm-hmm. uh, who comes from a long descendants of guys who've been able to, to <laughs> organize run games with a really rock solid uh, offensive line. And then, you know, Debo Samuel, who can make you pay with the ball in the sand as a running back as well. So, uh, you know, this is, uh, it, it, I think this is going to be a, a tough matchup for the Packers, just in the sense that, you know, they're facing the offense that's kind of like perfectly exploited. They're perfectly set up to exploit the, like the one thing they're truly bad at, which is run defense. But uh, I, I also kind of feel like the Packers offense is in a much better spot than they were the first time these two teams played uh, in the playoffs. Maybe not in terms of like overall talent. I'm not sure like if the talent level is like that much higher, although guys like A.J. Dillon uh, certainly help. But uh just when you look at like the cohesion and how everyone's on the same page, like, you know, the first year of a new head coach is uh, can always be a little bit rocky. And I think, you know, uh, you, you kind of get down to, you know, you're that NFC championship game in your first year as a head coach. Uh, I, maybe you can't, we kind of forget that that was still the first year and things can get better and more cohesive uh, moving forward. And I kind of think that's where the Packers are. Uh, and I think it just kind of seems like for me, they're just too well run of a machine on offense right now to, mm-hmm. to get caught up in, you know, seriously losing this game. But I, you know, I do think there'll be points where uh, the defense will really be tested. Uh, and, you know, if the 49ers get into a spot where, you know, the defense can get enough stops and the offense can control the ball and keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, like this game could get close in the fourth quarter and, and make it dicey for Green Bay. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, uh, we obviously were critical of Kyle Shanahan last week for sort of going away from what was working early in the game, and this is a criticism of him that goes way back to a Super Bowl. I know you don't want to talk about, uh, but yeah, I mean, PTSD with Kyle Shanahan dancing this weekend. Then we're trying to falcon it up. It's you know, it's. It's funny that we sit here and say like, "Oh, we know, we know what San Francisco is going to do. Like, we know, we know how this game is going to start to unfold." But at the same time, like, the worry is always that Kyle Shanahan will. I don't know what happens that he just doesn't trust what he's seeing in front of him, or he thinks that somehow defenses are going to adjust. But too uh, smart for his own good. I yeah, I mean, just is is just thinking that an adjustment needs to be made where one does not need to be made. Uh, yeah, I, I think also Shanahan. It's going to need to be a little bit more aggressive this time out because, you know, you, you you can get away with some punts, I think, when you're facing someone as incompetent as Mike McCarthy. But, you know, this is a, a tougher, tougher battle. So I think, you know, if you get into those fourth and ones, like on the 50-yard line, like on your own 45 or own 40, you might want to go for it just so you can have the chance of, one, keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field and two, actually scoring touchdowns. Uh, you were the only one of our pickers here that, uh, went with the Packers to cover both Prince and Charles Curtis see a little bit of a closer game. Uh, and it does, this spread, you know, it feels, I don't know. I, I think there, I, I don't, I don't know how it's, I haven't seen how it's been bet down, you know, how it's changed with the betting coming in, but it does feel like people are, are coming around a little bit to the 49ers being able to keep this close, but, uh, that's just sort of what happens, I guess. Um, so should be should be interesting. All right, let's go to the Sunday games. Just remember the order Sunday. So we got the Rams at Bucks at three thirty. Um, you know this is a tale of two quarterbacks in so many ways. 
uh, Tom Brady, who's, I, you know, the stats, I don't even remember what they were, but the, the, the stats going around last week were just absurd. Like, Tom Brady has won more playoff games than most franchises. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, the guy has just uh, been in so many playoff games. Matthew Stafford, of course, played in his fourth playoff game, uh, despite being, what, 13th season or something like that. Uh, he played in his fourth playoff game, got his first win. Um, so, you know, you're just looking at two guys who've had entirely different experiences through their NFL careers. Um, Stafford is, uh, you know, these two teams played what week three and Stafford absolutely torched the box. And it felt like, you know, one of those early season, like hype building games and, uh Oh, games for the defending champs. I'm not sure how much of it really resonates now. Uh, the Rams obviously went into a lull not long after that where the offense was not nearly as effective as Stafford himself was part of the problem. He was turning the ball over. I think he ended up leading the league or tying, being tied for the most interceptions. Uh, like we, we know that he's still prone to force things. Uh, and then Todd Bowles has a, has a good, you know, runs a defensive system that is uh, liable to confuse a guy like Matthew Stafford, you know, liable to give him looks that that will force him into those plays. So there's a lot here to dig into with how this game is going to unfold. Uh, but what's the most important thing for you? What what do the Bucks need to do? Like, what what is the key for them here? <laughs> you gotta don't let Aaron Donald and Von Miller kill you. Uh, yeah, that's possible. Yeah, I think it's a. It's a simple plan, but that doesn't mean it's easy to execute because um, we know where the game breakers are for the Rams, and, and that's on their defense and the defensive front specifically. And the Cardinals got a good helping of Aaron Donald and Von Miller uh, on Sunday. Like, we all saw the chaos that Aaron Donald's wrecking and Von Miller chipped in with three TFLs and a sack. So, um, you know, those guys are two <laughs> – uh, Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame guys that are incredibly disruptive to the best players in the game. And uh, it looks like the Bucks are going to have a, a, a diminished form of Tristan Wirfs on the right side. Which Ryan, is honestly. Ryan Jensen is hurt too. I mean, yeah, I think Ryan, he's practicing yeah. today, but their center is. Yeah, he got hurt in the last game too. So, right. you know, these aren't guys that are just like, you're talking where, where it's just starters and cohesion. No, like Ryan Jensen is one of the best centers in the league. And. Uh, Tristan Wirfs is, you know, already probably the best right tackle in the NFL. Uh, I mean, look at what he's done over the past two years since getting drafted. So right. uh, that that that's even if the guys are out there, them being you know diminished forms of themselves or not at a hundred percent, that's a real tall task when you're talking about uh, like the greatest three technique we've ever seen and m- maybe the greatest edge rusher of this generation of football. Right. Uh, coming off the edge. And it's not like, you know, I know Von Miller is old and uh, that 2011 draft class is starting to get old and kind of see their way out the NFL. But uh, he, he still can get after the passer. He's still got all the juice. And uh, you only need to go back to Sunday to see it in action. All right. Uh, I think the Bucks are also dealing with an injury to cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting. Uh, a, and the Rams, like I said, they were they had that offensive explosion, then had the lull, but then they added uh, Odell Beckham, and he's actually been like quietly, which we never think of that word being associated with Odell Beckham, uh, but he's quietly been really good uh, and has come on. I think he has six touchdowns in nine games. So yeah, but according uh, to Browns fans, that's not that's not very good because 
the yardage output hasn't been there. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure the point of football is to score touchdowns. touchdowns so, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, the Bucks may be without Leonard Fournette, too. So <laughs> lots of injuries going in this one. Um, what was your pick here? I, let me let me make sure I get the. the uh, I actually the, took the Buccaneers here. Okay. Um, it's two and a half. Bucks are favored by two and a half. Typical. Yeah, I took the Bucks. This one was tough for me uh, because I think the, uh, I think just on paper it probably makes more sense to pick the Rams. But mm-hmm. come on now, it's Tom Brady talking. About. <laughs> I don't, I don't you, know. You've been defeated, Charles. You've gone. I, no, I, I totally have been defeated. But like antagonizing if, Tom Brady to just being like, yeah, I mean, but it, like if you want a real football reason. If there is one quarterback, like one non-mobile quarterback that is like perfectly suited to be not like not having premier pass protection, I I think it's Brady because it's just he's going to get the ball out in two seconds. Like they had, um, I think one of the interesting things about that game on Sunday or Saturday, I guess against the Eagles. No, no, it was Sunday. Uh, was so you, obviously you're missing Chris Godwin in the slot, and that didn't really changed the formula for them. Like they were still, you know, dropping back three step drop where you're in gun and you're just taking one step and scanning the field and firing it out. And like they were putting Mike Evans in the slot and having him do all the things that Chris Godwin did. And I think that, you know, it, it's obviously the the talent of the Rams defensive line is very concerning if you're a Bucks fan. But you know, this 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 is an offense that's still littered with Pro Bowls, even with guys uh hurt you know we talked about it the other day you're you lost uh ab and chris godwin but now your former first round pick tight end who we all know is a good player gets to come off the bench and actually get some reps so um it's it's a it's still a really deep talented team and and like i said before we've seen tom brady totally neutralize pass rushes before uh even really good ones with how quick he can get the ball out and you know if mike evans is still talented enough to play in that slot with, I imagine, Jalen Ramsey traveling with him all over the field. Uh, I, I think that this is going to be a game that the Buccaneers can absolutely win, even though it's it's definitely a tough matchup for them. Right. That's a huge credit to Byron Leftwich. You're right. The, I mean, they yeah. did exploit the Eagles. Uh, the, the They did move Evans around, and the Eagles did not seem ready for that. They did go a little bit more quick game, which is not what you expect from a Bruce Arians team. Um, you know, left, which is, you know, we gave him all sorts of praise for this last year of melding Arians who just loves to go throw the ball deep and, and Brady who, you know, certainly wanted to do a little bit more of that than he was, was usually doing in new England uh, other than the Moss years, obviously. Uh, but, you know, finding a way to make that work uh, was a really masterful job of coaching. And then to sort of navigate this year, cause you know, the, the Bucks, they brought back everybody and it was hardly a cakewalk and, you know, the offense has, has had to evolve a little bit. And you're right. That's a, that's a really good point. That's going to be interesting to watch very early in the game. It's just how much is Brady getting rid of the ball? Uh, Cause so much, so much with Brady is rhythm, right? Like if he gets into a rhythm early, then he, like that's where he wants to be. Uh, and, and I've heard him talk about it on, in, in interviews and, you know, some of the documentary things he's done that that's like, that's when he feels like he's playing good football is when he's just making completion after completion. They don't need to be, he doesn't care if they're 20 yards down the field. Uh, If he just gets going with throws, that's where he feels best. Um, And, and that is the way, you know, that's the way you neutralize Aaron Donald, right? You you just throw the ball (laughs) right away. (laughs) Uh, And then also Jalen Ramsey to some degree, like, you know, I mean, he's obviously going to be, 
up on receivers uh, trying to to be physical. But if they can get him picked or, or get him off guys uh, that they want to get open, you know, that's going to be really the key to this game early on to see see how it goes. Um, all right, the big one. Let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, Chiefs, Bills, um, the one that everyone is super excited about. Um, the Bills uh, after last week, after the way Josh Allen played, just feels feel like juggernauts. I mean, I know everyone's very high on them. Uh, we'll point out that Josh Allen is still Josh Allen, and he has you know games where he's not uh, not Superman like uh, like last week, but. What is the key for you? What do the Chiefs need to do? I, this is a, such a weird, it's like a, it, the whole, just looking back at the narrative of the Chiefs season is so bizarre, right? Like we, yeah. we were close to giving up on them. I mean, I'm not sure if we, that's the nice thing about a podcast, right? Is it's really hard to go back and find your words. Uh, we yeah. listen to a lot of, a lot of film. If it was, uh, if it was written on the site, we could just search for it, but I feel like we probably were like, eh, this is not their year. Like they're they're just gonna have to sort of back out and reload. Yeah, we're wrong. Uh, it was funny. I was, I, I was playing video games with a couple buddies, and it was like maybe maybe a month ago. A couple of my buddies are Chiefs fans, and just talking about the the team and stuff. And <laughs> they were like, you know, it's it's funny because we're you know the, the narrative around the Chiefs have been so down this year, but they're still probably going to win like twelve games. And then I was like. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like they, they're still they're still a good team, of course. Like you have to, but you, you can't just discount the fact that they have Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and Orlando Brown and Joe <laughs> Bieniemy. Like this team is absolutely right. loaded with talent. So uh, I, I I think early in the season you just kind of look at it and it was like uh, they're turning the ball over so much. Uh, is this going to be their year? Is this something that? Can you know? Can they can they make the playoffs playing this way? It was quite frankly what uh, some people were asking earlier this season. But I think what kind of got lost in how poorly they were playing earlier this year was that uh, typically teams just don't turn the ball over like at the rate that they were doing. Uh, so you know, you, we talk about regression, but you know that can work out positively for teams as well. So if you look at like the first eleven games of the season. Uh, they turned the ball over 22 times, and the they close- just got him out of the way. Right, yeah, they got him all, got him all, got him all out of the system. Then, then the buy hits, and over the last six games of the season, they turned the ball over like two or three times. So, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like when you go back to Lamar Jackson's rookie season, and you know, I remember he started the back half of that year after Flacco got hurt, and in like six or seven games, I think he fumbled the ball nine times, and. Um, you know, people were like, oh, you know, this is why you can't really trust him moving forward. And my point at the time was like, OK, but like you're kind of delusional if you expect him to fumble the ball this much, like moving forward, because, you know, these are these are so extreme, like they're they're becoming outlier numbers. And I think that's kind of what we've seen happen with the Chiefs uh, throughout this year. You know, they did have uh, two turnovers last week. One of them was kind of, I guess, fluky a little bit to me, I guess, the T.J. Watt interception mm-hmm. or fumble return for a touchdown. But. You know, I mean, it still counts, and you're playing against a defense that uh, generates turnovers as well as like any defense, except I think the Colts uh, or one, or one more in front of them. So the Bills, they're really good. Like their defensive metrics are off the charts, especially in terms of uh, the passing game this year, and that's really because they get a ton of interceptions. Uh, they turn the ball over. We all saw the Micah Hyde play last weekend against Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've they've got really really good safety play, and their corners are well coached too. So it's a tough matchup. 
uh, for the Chiefs, I took the Bills to cover and win in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly to me, that's more of a reflection on how good I think this Bills team is from top to bottom. Uh, but if the Chiefs are going to win this game, y- you really can't even spend a quarter playing the football you were playing for the first 11 weeks of the season because uh, they'll they'll blow you the hell out right now. Like Josh Allen is playing uh, incredible football. I'm pretty sure the Bills led the NFL in point differential this year. Uh, their defense is playing well. So they seem to get hot at the right time. Uh, and I think that that if the Chiefs are going to win, they just have to, you know, it sounds a little cliche, but you got to play clean football. But that has been a, an issue for them at times this year. All right. Yeah, it's hard to trust. I Like you said, like it's it's an Andy Reid football team. Like we know they're going to be good. It's Patrick Mahomes, who I think we all still think is the, the best overall quarterback in the league. Uh, but the fact that they've been so up and down, and it's not like Buffalo, you know, Buffalo's defense had its struggles early in the season too, but ultimately ended up uh, with the fewest yards allowed, points scored in the league, um, has been forcing turnovers at a pretty high rate. Uh, it just, it, I, I don't know, man. It's just feel like it's, it's just a question of, is, can the chiefs turn it on? You know, like we, uh, can the chiefs just figure it out and put it together, uh, to where, like you said, they, they cannot afford even to have, uh, a snafu early in this game. If Josh Allen, if he turns out to be the guy he was last week and plays at that level, um, it's it, it. It certainly feels like the Bills could march uh, right to the Super Bowl with the way they've been playing. But uh, it's why we watch the games. Um, all right, what else? What else is intriguing to you in the NFL? What's going? What's what are your thoughts on the coaching searches? It appears that uh, it appears that there's a report that Jim Harbaugh would take the Raiders' job if offered. Yeah, uh, I think that'd be a great move for the Raiders. Yeah. Because uh, you know, the, uh, I, I'm I'm glad that we aren't having like the normal discourse that we are about college coaches because this isn't like your normal college coach that comes no. up. This uh, guy, this guy went to a Super Bowl and was, it's literally like fifty and fifteen as an NFL coach. Something ridiculous. Like, honestly, he's like a a yard away from being a Super Bowl champion. And if you ask me, uh, Michael Crabtree was definitely interfered with on that last play of the game. Uh, <laughs> As someone who uh, was not happy to see Joe Flacco get a ring and have to deal with all my friends from high school saying that Joe Flacco <laughs> was better than Matt Ryan. Uh, he's elite. Yeah, he, Joe Flacco's elite. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like, like Har- if you get Harbaugh, I think that's a better situation than you had with John Gruden. Um, 100%. 100%. And, you know, basically, I think the cool thing with Harbaugh is literally everywhere he's gone, there's been success. Uh, San Diego, he was the head coach when – uh, Josh Johnson was in San Diego throwing for four to three touchdowns and one interception uh, in one of those seasons over there. And then obviously Stanford, Andrew Luck goes to the 49ers. They make the Super Bowl one year, uh, the NFC championship game where they're one play game from going back to the Super Bowl uh, the following year. Um, and then the Michigan revival has been impressive as well, even though it, it culminated with the national championship, Georgia Bulldogs stomping them uh, on you know, on that, on that Saturday. So uh, he's done an impressive job. Like I think his <laughs> resume is like as unquestioned as you can get for a coaching prospect. And if the Raiders can land him, that's great. You know, I, I see some people, uh, or I've talked to some people where they're just like, ah, are the Raiders just doing the flashy thing? And I'm like, 
this is the right thing that happens to be flashy as well. Like you, you can, I think, I think that Mark Davis definitely has a tendency to go after things that uh, are cool and fun to look at and very shiny. But in this case, I think that there's actually some substance behind it. Uh, and, and Jim Harbaugh, you know, just based on seeing what he did with, with Alex Smith, where if you look at the first five years of Alex Smith and, and you compare it to like how we evaluate quarterbacks today, if Alex Smith was drafted in 2018, he's already like someone's backup somewhere because right. that guy was so damn bad. Uh, <laughs> for like the first, he basically five made us invent the game manager label. Like, that yeah, was- see, dude, he was he was so bad. Like over the first five years of his career, I don't even know how he started the many games. Then Jim Harbaugh comes uh, and basically saves his career uh, and gets him back in the right space and revives his status enough where he can get traded to KC to get replaced by Patrick Mahomes a few years later. But uh, it happens. So, you know, I I think that this would be really good positive development for Derek Carr's career too. I I have a question about the coaching carousel in general and just how, how it's going this year. It seems to me that there have been an inordinate um, number of uh, interviews announced. So like teams are basically admitting or really even when they're sometimes an agent will leak it to the media, but a lot of times a team is leaking it. Like they're saying, yeah, we talked to this guy. Uh, and like the Chicago Bears have talked to like, I think 10 different coaches. Uh, the Denver Broncos have talked to about just as many. Uh, the Jaguars, who obviously had a horribly flawed process around Urban Meyer. I mean, they just locked in on him and, and uh you know, I remember that they they really should have been hit for not uh, not following the Rooney rule because it was pretty clear before they even had moved on from uh, their previous coaching staff that they wanted Urban Meyer. You know, yeah, no effort. It, you know, they were totally locked in. They've announced uh, there's been there's been a, a ton of leaks about all the people they've talked to. The Dolphins have talked to a bunch. The Texans, uh, uh, not as many, but they did interview Heinz Ward for some reason. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what that's like, all about. I, I, I know Heinz. He's a great guy. He was coached with the Jets when I was over there. I, yeah. don't, I don't get that one. Yeah. Uh, the the Giants, because they're the Giants, have, have I think only Dan Quinn has been reported for the Giants. Uh, who knows what's going on with that franchise? But there's a lot. I mean, our NFL teams – genuinely trying to do a better job of evaluating coaches by talking to a lot of, a lot of guys, or is this um, just a lot of smoke? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like they're kind of doing it because they have to, um, which is, I don't know. It's gives me mixed feelings. Like I think it's good that, um, I think it's good that someone like Gerard Mayo can get a head coach interview because Lord knows how many times we've seen like the exact tail of the quarterbacks coach for the Rams get a a head coaching job. So like, I don't see why any other, like you've opened the door now for other position coaches to get a head job. So uh, I think it's cool that, you know, that these guys get a chance at least to get their foot in the door, but you know, I'm not naive enough to think that all of these teams are taking it seriously or with the, the seriousness that it deserves or, or that they actually care about representing their workforce in their management. Cause why would, why would they want to do that? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, I, I guess, yeah, like I said, it gives me mixed feelings. Um, because I think if you think like to me, like if you are someone who believes that all the NFL teams are like really taking the Rooney real seriously, then you need to touch grass and step outside for a second. But, uh, 
you know, it, 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 I think still like for the individual people going through it, it's, it's hard to view, you know, if you're, if you're just an up and coming position coach and, you know, you get that crappy little Rooney rule interview, you should still take it, you know, like it's still a good opportunity for you, the person to get your foot in the door and maybe surprise someone. But uh, at the same time, it doesn't always feel good being used in that manner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, Right. Like there's nothing negative about a coach getting the chance to talk, uh, and especially guys who are out of the playoffs. Right. And they're, they're, yeah. they're just getting, they're just sort of preparing, you know, winding down from last season and preparing for next season. Like it's good for them to have those, uh, those experiences, but it's, it's so hard for us from where we sit to evaluate how sincere, the league is about really giving chances, how serious those interviews are. Um, there's one black, I mean, you know, we're, just, we're talking about one black coach in the NFL, uh, one black head coach. And it's just, <laughs> obviously something is not working. Yeah. Something, something's not going right here. Right. So, uh, um, Oh, it looks like Trey Henderson is cleared to play uh, this weekend. I, I just saw right. that come across. So, um, all right. Well, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be. Yeah, you're working Sunday, right? Will you be? Will you be yeah, I'll be on Sunday. Sunday. Uh, so Chuck will be writing Sunday. Me and Chris and DeAndra. Awesome. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter too. He'll be tweeting all weekend at Forvers. I'm at Chris Corman. We'd love to talk to you about football. Just, uh, just hit us up there, and we'll be back early next week with the show, uh, breaking down what happened in the divisional round and looking ahead to the AFC and NFC championships. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next time. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.